0: Great news. Major League Baseball is back. The college baseball season continues to electrify. With the help of our friends over at SeatGeek, we can get you out to whatever game you want to see. All you need to do is head over to SeatGeek, find your game you want to go to, and enter promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get $20 off your first purchase. Maybe you want to go see some NBA or NHL playoffs. I don't know, maybe you want to go to a concert with the weather warming up throughout the country. No matter what event you're looking to go to, our friends at SeatGeek can hook you up with the best deals. Great seats at an affordable price. You can't beat it. Make sure to enter promo code Ball for $20 off. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL. By Riverside.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls Podcast. We're coming to you live here in Columbia, South Carolina, beautiful Columbia, South Carolina. Dan and I are super excited for the weekend we're having. Uh, We're not exactly going to recap exactly what we've seen so far. We're going to save that for a podcast episode post 12 o'clock first pitch today, 11 a.m. Central Time for our Central folks out there, since we do know our Go Tigers brethren uh, that happen to be staying in the same hotel as us are going to be listening to this on Central Time. But we're going to do an mlb episode here kind of digesting some of the things that we've seen dan super excited to be sitting across the room talking to you
0: yeah beautiful uh spring hill suites uh columbia is a great place uh it's been a great time so far super excited for the episode um happy to be back
1: yeah it, it it has been a great place and you know the hospitality from the game last night again we don't we don't have to get into much of that but obviously that's kind of the present thing that we're focused on and, and hotel room compliments of brendan powers Marriott rewards points so um you know it does pay to reach out to your parents for anybody who's not at home <laughs> just just call and see if see if mom and dad have any leftover uh Marry out points that they don't plan on using anytime soon and and you end up staying in a spring hill suites rather than a you know, down Holiday Inn uh, down the street. Uh, so um, Dan, let's let's get into this episode. Obviously, we got a super exciting day ahead of us. So we want to get this done in the morning here and, and enjoy the rest of our day, hopefully if the rain holds off. But obviously, a lot going on across the MLB. And we mentioned it in our overreactions podcast is that the aces that are struggling. Well, you know, we are a positive reinforcement podcast here and and we like to make sure we love up on guys that are looking good so let's talk about a couple aces who have been really good to start out the year so dan kick this off with with one guy that's that's really piqued your interest and and why you wanted to talk about a couple of these dudes
0: yeah you know i always think it's interesting and, and obviously it's still early um so you still don't you know you don't have the full picture painted yet, but um, there's just a couple guys that, to me, I've seen, I've been able to see a good bit of their starts. And, and first is Garrett Cole, who um, obviously was dominant on Opening Day against the Giants, um, six innings, 11 punchies, um, and just kind of lo- the demeanor looked different. You know, it, it, watching him pitch, it felt different. And so then um, he gets a second start on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, getaway day against the Phillies, and he kind of follows it up and does the same thing. He goes uh, six and a third, I believe, which is great. This is the first time this has happened. His outing ends with a pitch clock violation walk to Nick Castellanos. Booney comes and gets him. He didn't. He didn't like the pitch that uh, Trevino was throwing down. He ran out of time. Stepped off anyway. Um, got a pretty good hot mic. If you're into that type of thing, go find it. Uh, it was awesome. But it was. It was a lot. It was similar to the same thing. You know, punched out seven um and was just you know there was not a lot of hard contact uh he he pitched around some base some traffic on the bases there's some bad base running in that game but he just looks like a completely different guy and it's not that his stuff is necessarily different right he hasn't added a new pitch his stuff hasn't improved to me it's being fastball command he hasn't seemingly You know, we've talked about it before—the 96 mile an hour out of nowhere fastball over the heart of the plate that gets deposited for a three run homer. You haven't seen it yet. Um, The slider command has been fantastic, and I think just from the two starts, it seems like the way he's using his stuff and when he's going to the secondary stuff. You know, because he's always going to be a primary fastball guy. That's who he is. He is one of the most you know elite spin fastballs in baseball. He's got one of the hardest fastballs to get on top of. But then when he's using the you know, the changeup usages up this year, I think the movement on the changeup's been fantastic. Uh, the command of it's been really good. He's not leaving it over the plate. Um, and then the slider's really good. I mean, he threw some a few dead zone sliders to Schwarber in that game that, that were really, really good. And Schwarber's a guy who historically has seen him well. Um, I'm impressed. And my one theory that I, th- I think I've seen through the first two starts is I think something that we may not have thought of is the pitch clock has helped him. The, his pace and tempo through the first two starts just looks different. He gets the ball, he goes, and he's coming at you. He's in the zone and he's not letting guys breathe. And when you have his stuff, you can do that at the major league level, and you're going to be tough to hit. Yeah, definitely. I think we've talked about it time and time
1: again. Really, over the since he's been a Yankee, it's it's never been about his stuff. It's never been about his you know command necessarily it's never been about his control it's never been about any of it. it's been that lapse of you know whether you want to say it's focus whether you want to say it's just a couple mistakes here and there is kind of where the damage has been done against him and and yankee fans obviously have seen the three run home runs to rafael devers in in big games and you know the multiple blue walk blast in the sixth inning of a sharp outing or the four home runs that he gives up in Luis Castillo's start and they're like a lot of Yankee fans obviously respond to that with why the heck did we get Garrett Cole and not just trade for Luis Castillo which again a uh, conversation for another day there that was a haul that they got back and your your lovely toy shortstop would have probably been a Mariner by now <laughs> um, but you know I think with Garrett Cole it's a matter of just being able to execute 110 pitches every outing and be more precise through those 110 those lapses of mistakes that creep up there every so often that's a uh, tough on him but i think when push comes to shove i think he looks a lot more like 2019 garrett cole today yeah um he looks a lot cr- more crisp doesn't seem like the pressure of new york's getting to him whether that's a pitch clock thing whether that's a comfort thing i think the pitch clock he seems like a thinker on the mound. And I think the pitch clock's able to allow him not to think. We always think about the overthinkers, you know, not being able to go through their process, but sometimes working fast for a pitcher who has a tendency to have the lapse of uh, focus and things like that, that that pace and being able to get back on the rubber and toe the slab and just get, execute the next pitch and next pitch and next pitch next pitch. You know, it's definitely going to help a guy like that. So, you know, I'm super excited. I think he's, I, I think he's got to be the front runner for the Cy Young with the way he's looked right now. His stuff has always been crisp um he's going to pitch in a big market you know he's going to pitch on Sunday Night Baseball a couple times and, and he's definitely going to have the numbers to to back it up so I'm super excited about what Garrett Cole's done so far so I'm going to go with a, a guy here that's that's really um been my guy for the past couple years a little bit of backstory on this I I took picked him up in fantasy in like 2017 when he was a uh, Baltimore oil thinking he was going to turn it around and shocker, the old regime of the Baltimore Orioles couldn't figure out how to, uh, how to turn water into wine um, with this guy, and and he goes to Atlanta. He pitches well out of the pen, and then transitions over to the San Francisco Giants. And tell me if you've heard this before with a guy big offseason signing Carlos Rodon turns it around in San Fran. And Kevin Gausman has been that guy uh, for the past couple years. And you know he's obviously a guy who commands his splitter really well. He's got an okay fastball that he runs off of it. Um, but when push comes to shove, the most important thing is is having that effective split using it at roughly 30 percent uh getting swings and misses out of the zone on down below the zone and then being able to command the fastball specifically to the inner half to lefties and to the outer half to righties and that sets up the split with everything so dan obviously Gosman's kind of been the the tried and true new age let's blow it up and become an ace uh, what have you seen so far this season i mean he had terrible batted ball luck last year he's one of the worst in baseball so you know and he still pitched to to a sub or low three and and looked really sharp in toronto last year with bad batted ball luck so you know what are kind of the expectations for kevin gosman this year and what have you seen that excites you
0: well i think that's one of the i mean you and i talk all the time like when you're looking at guys to have a good year what are some things you look for Right. Obviously, you look at past track record, but then you also look at stuff like that. Right. Gaussman has the stuff. He's got an elite out pitch um, that he's really figured out the command of. Like that's what's turned the corner for him. Is if you look at his heat maps, right? Like you look at where that splitter is in the strike zone. It's never in a spot really to get hit, and it's in the. It, I mean, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you'll get the really good ones where you're going to get swings and misses on ones you spike. Because it's just such a tough pitch to hit. But the way he throws it now, it looks like a strike for most of the way time. to the plate, right? And then he's just miss action with it. Or he's even getting swings and misses in the zone with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him scary. And then you look at the expected's last year and you realize like if he gets bad at ball luck this year, he's gonna be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and and how he's kind of figured out it's just one of the it's the maturation thing, and like you said, sometimes guys go to teams like the Giants and they figure out something and a lot of times that's pitch usage a lot of times that's how to get out to this level he now knows how to work that splitter set it up um, sometimes even come after certain guys with it guys who are going to swing a lot right guys yep. who are early swingers who are damaged swingers he's going to come at them early with the, the split now you put them on guard and you instead of guys who are Typically in attack mode at the plate. Now you're the one in attack mode when you can when you can start off with a splitter that's just missed action for swing strike one, and then your 98 mile an hour fastball, which you said doesn't have the elite you know movement profiles of a Garrett Cole, that becomes a really effective yeah. pitch again. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to pitch off that fastball that doesn't have those elite profiles, because in the bigs that gets hit. Yeah, like it's well- it that's kind of what's helped him turn the corner let
1: me ask you this too is and we talked about this with brandon walters it might have been off air on air i don't remember exactly so i can't say for certain but how important is the difference between you have your splitter vertical movement downward and your fastballs vertical movement so in terms of movement profile it might be a 13 inch vertical movement which is a dead zone heater but when you have a 26 inch drop in your splitter and at that point you have let's just say off the top of my head 39 inches of difference between where the fore seam ends up and where the splitter ends up and then obviously if you can keep it in that tunnel how much of a difference is that compared to just straight up movement profile
0: that's huge right because that's what it, you know a lot of times you know we do get caught up in, in sometimes too much of what does that specific pitch do i think the specific pitch movement <clears throat> lays the foundation for you right so okay this is what my heater does and then like you said now i gotta understand what my my secondary stuff does to understand okay this is the kind of the principles of where i'm gonna start with things all right so i have a 13 inch dead zone here okay so i can't throw it in these situations in these zones which is what was happening to him a lot in baltimore he also wasn't throwing enough strikes in baltimore he he was establishing his fastball right and he wasn't throwing enough strikes in baltimore right like that's that's for sure um but but that's huge because now, um, when you can get the the different, different geez, differentiation between the split and the fastball, um, and he's not going to be a guy who's going to pour the fastball in at the top of the zone. Yeah. Why? Because that's not going to come out of that same tunnel as the split finger. The split finger is going to be again down, just yeah. miss action. Sometimes you'll spike it, but you'll get swings and misses like that. If you're taking that fastball and you're keeping it, you know. Thigh to to shin with your fastball too and at 98 then that splitter becomes hard to pick up out of that same window
1: yeah of course and and one of the cool stories and this will be the last thing i say about kevin gaussman but you know obviously he had a career revival at some point and the stuff was always there he was drafted number three out of shocker baton rouge uh so it's kind of cool that that kind of goes hand in hand with what we're experiencing this weekend but he had a conversation with logan webb logan webb was up in the bigs he was struggling to throw strikes he was struggling with command and he basically pulled into logan webb's hotel he knocked on his door late at night and logan webb and him had a good relationship and you know he Kind of for lack of a better term, Mother F Logan Webb to be like, be relentless in the zone. Be relentless with your fastball in the zone. You need to attack hitters. It's hard to hit in this league. I've experienced that. I've had my ups and downs in this league. I've had a hard time commanding that stuff. And now I'm just so confident. So if you want to know kind of where that turnaround was for him, it was just trusting his stuff and being relentless in the strike zone with it and making hitters earn it. And then obviously being able to be relentless in the strike zone with that fastball allows that split finger to look so much better. So um let's go to another guy. Obviously it was a big free agent or not free agent off mid-season acquisition for the Seattle Mariners last season um, and that is Luis Castillo obviously we know he kind of changed his repertoire a little bit last year when we talk about vertical approach angle um, he's definitely a low slot guy that's able to command the fastball at the top of the zone and listening to some hitters talk about him that's been kind of a game changer for him his fastball movement profile is a little bit more like Gaussman where it kind of leans towards that dead zone here range uh, but being able to command Combine that low slot with that with that vertical approach angle and being able to make sure you have good command of that at the top of the zone it was a game changer for him and he started the pitch at the top of the zone last year which then shocker made his change up more effective which was already an elite pitch he had elite command with it it's kind of similar to Kevin Gaussman, uh where he's able to get that range from where his change up ends up and then obviously that fastball at the top of the zone so so far through the year, um, Castillo's looked extremely sharp in the Mariners, and quite frankly, they need him to be really good to get where they want to go.
0: Yeah, they needed an ace, right? And you could tell when they were making that push last year that, like, the one thing they're missing. Now they have a ton of, you know, they have a handful of really good young pitchers. Robbie Ray was a former Cy Young, and he could be ace potential. But last year, at that time, he wasn't pitching like it. This year, obviously, unfortunately, he's a great spring, has a not a very good start. They nab an injury early, they, they get him on the IL. Um, so Castillo is a rock for them. And <laughs> that's exactly what he's done through 11 and 2 thirds to start the year 12 punches. He hasn't given up a run. Um, two really strong starts, obviously on opening day against the Guardians in a win, and then gets a no decision against the, the Angels in a tough series they had. But he's not putting guys on. And when you talk about it, His fastball, it's interesting because he did make that change because he was getting hit hard in Cincinnati. Yeah, he was. Um, He changed up his pitch usage a little bit. But the four-seamer is what's kind of been his biggest thing. And it's funny because this is what I think makes it so fun is there's so many different paths to success, right? Typically, we would sit here and we'd say, all right, you are a guy with really good spin, right? Elite, you know, vertical movement, high spin, really good extension right you talk about vertical attack angle Mm -hmm. really good extension you're a guy who's going to pitch that that fastball can be successful up in the zone think verlander Mm -hmm. we think of guys who don't have good extension don't have good uh, vertical approach angle you don't have um good vertical movement you know we're trying to kill some spin we're thinking sinker we're thinking down in the zone luis castillo doesn't he, he short arms it, right? He yeah. almost throws it like a T Rex. Yeah. He doesn't have great vertical movement, but he gets punches in the zone. And I think that the lesson there is like we just need to get away from, from the dead zone. Mm-hmm. Like to whichever direction you want to go, whether that's elite extension, right? Think of a guy like um again, is probably the obvious one who, who has really good, a uh, rolled just Chapman, elite extension. DeGrom has elite extension. DeGrom, too. elite extension. So the release releasing the ball closer to the plate, that thing jumps on you. It literally looks like their fastball has a hop in it because mm-hmm. they, get, they get really good backspin off of it. They get the, the um, vertical break on it. They dominate with the fastball up in the zone typically. Well, so that's one side of it. The mm-hmm. other side is we're gonna we're not going to spin it great. We're not going to have great vertical movement on it. It's not going to stay true, and we're not going to extend it. That can still play up in the zone if you look at Luis Castillo. Now, he commands his fastball so well. He really does a good job of picking the glove side yeah. with it because he does get a little bit more horizontal movement on it. Um, but when, you, when you're doing that to the top of the zone and a hitter seeing out of the hand ball, 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 stri- oh, strike because he's mm-hmm. getting a little bit horizontal to the glove side um, off the plate away, it's tough to make that decision up in the zone and be on time for it. Um, And you can just see it, the air of confidence that he has. You know, once he got on that role in Cincinnati, um, because it was just inconsistency in years prior, but last year he got on that role and it's been impressive ever since. Yeah, and I'll
1: ask you this is, you know, obviously from a pitching guy is the way I understand vertical approach angle is to a certain extent, like you should almost want to create an X, right? And with him being a low three quarter slot guy, being able to work above his arm slot necessarily it's not exact science it's not obviously gravity has to work but at least perception to the hitter where he sees it coming out of this low slot and working up and crossing that x right so darren oday is the classic example why could darren oday get swings and misses up in the zone why do we see these sub guys i mean we had a guy at arcadia last year who was a sub guy and he never understood why i can throw 76 up in the zone against why can't baseball players hit softball players right well because they get good vertical approach angle because they're a low slot and when they throw a pitch that starts at your ankles and then crosses at your eyes you're ready to go you're rearing to go when you see that thing leave the hand and if they can command that at the top of the zone that's why baseball players have a nightmare at bat against a softball pitcher even if they're only throwing 68 from 45 feet right so with Luis Castillo he has that low three-quarter slot works up in the zone crosses that x and then even to talk about guys that are kind of high slots like straight over the top obviously we've seen those guys like joe ryan who definitely want to command it at the top of the zone but if you can get a high slot with sync, that thing is going to absolutely
0: eat and what you're seeing a lot of with those guys too and i think what um you're starting to, to understand that those guys down in the zone, even if they don't have sync, if they can hold plane down in the zone where it's coming, it's like, well, that ball's gonna be low and it's just it just rides at your knee. Mm-hmm. That's effective too, right? That's what deGrom does a lot of yes. times. Right? DeGrom like, Oh, well, why doesn't he just throw fastballs in the zone? Well he's a freak who puts the throws the ball into a soda can. He doesn't you can't really he doesn't need to be boxed into one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times you see those takes on DeGrom fastballs at the bottom of the zone or sure's another guy. Where he's low slot and has a ton of um, vertical movement and, and on his fastball, and it, it holds plane so well, and you see the takes where guys like almost like it's down and then they almost like jump yeah. because mm-hmm. it looks like it's, it then it stays up at the last second. Um, Tyler Taylor Rogers, which which one of the twins a is upset. Tyler, I, I think it's Tyler. But that's what you're talking about, right? Sub guy who can spin sliders yeah. that look like they're rising, right? Yep. And it's coming from down here and it's going all the way across the zone mm-hmm. from the you know bottom right quadrant of the zone to top left quadrant of the zone you can't hit that yeah you can't hit that like that just the the perception of of how you're seeing that um well even
1: even today and and again this is probably a broader topic that we don't have to go into today but you know nowadays you see it more of guys don't want just straight vertical no Like, Justin Verlander's straight vertical, which obviously he has success because he has elite straight vertical. And then he has elite secondary stuff off of it. Exactly, the 12-6 being able to work off of it. Nowadays, the truly elite fastballs are the ones that cross- a vertical plane and a horizontal, horizontal. plane yep. so if you break the box into say let's nine boxes right the elite of the elite the garrett Coles of the world they they cross a box north and they cross the box west and you see those guys with cutters right they cross a box north and they cross a box west because especially when it eats and it's late and it looks flat right like the deceptive movement sometimes you can see that sinker that hops right it right cro- you see it crossing and it, that doesn't mean you can get a barrel on it but you can make contact the ones that are invisibles the cutters the high f- high spinning four seamers that just cross those boxes it's a nightmare for hitters and,
0: th- and think about like the sweepers in vogue now right and that what does that do right yeah. now like you know every, for a handful of years there now there's still guys who have really good ones with the gyro slider when we were just strictly throwing the four seams yeah. towards the top we were just looking for the gyro slider that you know you couldn't pick up right, correct, and only had a little bit of movement. Well, now we're going back to the sweepers because we're doing just that. We're crossing mm-hmm. both planes. Um, not to get too nerdy talking about planes, like we're pitching on a graph, but you know it's just the idea of getting things to move right to left, yeah, north south, right? Because that's what it's always or been northeast about. northwest northeast, something right, that's correct like that. exactly. You want to cross both those
1: planes? Yeah, and north that's what that's northwest. what I'm thinking now is like almost like if we were to build like a perfect pitch, like I think. Every pitch that's going to play really at any level, quite frankly, now you can have your ranges for each level, but it has to cross two planes. Correct. Now, what we decide of two planes, it can cross like a sweeper crosses two planes: east-west, west-east, right? Right. Whether lefty or righty, Garrett. Well, Cole's I think fastball, you're also
0: crossing a little bit north-south with the oh, sweeper because yeah. you're mm-hmm. getting your it's going to gravity
1: is going to have to to act upon it. But let's talk about Garrett Cole's fastball. It's one plane north, one plane west, right? Maybe even potentially Correct. three planes for the elite of the elite, where it's one plane north, two planes east or whatever it would be and you know if you're building an elite pitch you have to have it cross multiple planes right yeah so um, obviously we got into a little bit more of an in-depth discussion. I think Dan and I just like kind of uh, on the spot just kind of came up with something new that might be something to keep an eye out on is is how many planes does each pitch cross. And maybe we can do some more research mm-hmm. on what we would define that is a plane equal to inch-wise and kind of come up with something unique for each pitch. Um, but let's get into a last guy. He's probably the most fun in- player in baseball. He throws a wicked sweeper. He throws a wicked splitter. He throws a hundred and two. He closed out the World Baseball Classic for Team Japan, and people kind of blamed Mike Trout for striking out, which is just mind boggling because nobody touches this dude. If he had Jacob DeGrom's command, he would be the best pitcher in baseball. Not even close. Not even close. And he is now through two outings. He has about seven walks in those two outings. He hasn't given up a run, if I'm not mistaken, and he has punched out. A ton of hitters. So, obviously, we talk about Otani a lot for what makes him so unique for across baseball, and quite frankly, he deserves it. Um, he's a unicorn. He is a special talent. But specifically on the mound, what he's developed into is just special.
0: He's unbelievable. I mean, and honestly, I remember when he came over, first right we we kind of heard about this is the Babe Ruth of Japan but it was kind of like well this guy's gonna be you know an ace like this guy's gonna be a number one pitcher his stuff's electric like people were unsure how he would hit right and all the cynics said he wouldn't be able to do both yada 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 um but then I remember watching him on opening day I think they played the A's in Los Angeles his first start uh in the MLB and like you were like oh no like this guy has elite stuff. Like this guy has like the best stuff yeah. in the league. Mm-hmm. Like it was one oh two. The splitter was ridiculous. And look, I think he's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Obviously he had the injury that year, but I think the command has gotten better. I think the um, the stuff has gotten better. The, the pitch usage sweeper has better, yeah, this pitch usage has gotten better and the sweeper slider, man. Like it's unbelievable. Now he doesn't use the split as much as he did when he first came over which is kind of opposite what we're seeing of a lot of guys in major league baseball we're seeing splitters kind of rise he's kind of gone the other way a little bit but i think it's because of how elite the, the, the slider is and then the fastball, like you said if he could command the fastball like de or or even a step below de if he could command the fastball like kershaw um you you would you would have the best pitcher in baseball um and it's one i mean it's it's 95-102. to 102. It's, I love the way he pitches. He comes out in the first inning. You can tell it looked like, especially in Seattle, he was making a concerted effort to establish his own early. So that first inning was like 95-96. When he needed one, ninety-nine, And then it was like, all right, third, fourth inning, I'm settling in, 102. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Like, it's nice to have that in the tank if you need it. Um, you know, he's, he's special, man. He, I, I, everyone has – kind of beaten it to death now and especially with the world baseball classic it's not that he doesn't deserve it but like there's not much else to say than like this is a special talent this is something that you're probably never going to witness I guess until Jack Caglione gets to the big (laughs) leagues then maybe we'll see it too so I guess maybe we'll see more of this but uh yeah he's unbelievable and um the angels need him to be in the Cy Young conversation Mm -hmm. right the Angels need him to be the MVP, probably. Yeah. Um, and they need the other MVP to stay healthy to kind of compete. And they're off to a great start. I mean, they right. are. They are off to a really good start last year, and then by the middle of June, Jomet was fired. So hopefully they can keep it up because uh, I do like um, their roster. It's choppy, as you said. But um, Otani is unbelievable. He's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and there, there's really not much more to say about him. And, and obviously you mentioned yeah, the Angels being like- a – off to a good start and, and Dan's over there playing some some videos for us on, on baseball reference as he's trying to pull up some stats so um, we're doing our best to uh, to record this in person and, and allow our, our stats and info to work hard and, and be here to produce this thing but uh, speaking of another team that's starting off this season extremely hot obviously they have multiple arms that we could kind of um, say are living up to the hype or at least taking a huge step forward and and that's the tampa bay rays they're 6-0 and it's the first and 6-0 team to start a season since 2016. obviously six game win streaks you know don't seem that impressive we see it all the time but it definitely pays dividends to start off the season hot be rolling going into weekend number two of the season and just be confident as a group again we said this on our preview podcast and i want to emphasize it again this is a team that had bad injury luck last season like think about that a team that had bad injury luck last season and still rattled off 90 wins so as we look at the 6-0 start obviously there's some names that we want to get into but just on the whole this group what they've done so far you know what impresses you the most about you know, just what Tampa Bay has been able to accomplish in, you know, smaller market. We can use the the adages to we're blue in the face about what they have to deal with from an ownership standpoint, but I mean they're a factory.
0: Yeah, I'm kinda done with the smaller market plucky Tampa Bay race thing. No, they're like really they're elite. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're with the heavy hitters now. Yeah. Like they deserve to be in that group. They've won I think the third most games in baseball since nineteen, uh, behind the Dodgers and Astros. Like, it's dodgers Astros race. Yep. They're that good, um, and they need to kind of be treated as such. And, again, last year, I think because the name value still isn't there to most baseball fans, right, um, when they got injured, people didn't realize it almost because yeah. they don't know what the Rays everyday lineup looks like does that make sense right yes, like 100 they, they would you know you turned on a Rays game last year in, mm. in in late june and you saw and you just think
1: they're putting randy or razorania in a platoon switch and you didn't realize, realize whether, he's been on the il for two weeks exactly. right like
0: you, you didn't realize that wander franco wasn't there yeah. um you didn't realize that they were they were you know brandon Lau was out for a lot of time yep. Like they were decimated by injury and they still won that you didn't realize it because you were just like oh, the Rays just aren't having as good of yeah. a year everyone kind of overrated them because they love them and it's like no like this team probably would have won 100 games last year if they stayed healthy they won 90 with all of these guys missing a huge chunk of time yeah. they continue to find value on the margins we talk about it all the time the edges of their roster continue to be super deep mm-hmm. they continue to find guys off scrap heaps of other organizations mm-hmm. and just plug them and, and, and you know have huge successes with them They are one of the most impressive, and they're one of the powerhouses in the league to me now. Like, it's time to stop. This is the best rotation in baseball when healthy. You look at the four starts that they had to start the year, right? Um, The first four, the guys that went for the first four that went, I guess is what I'm trying to say, in in McClanahan, um, Eflin, Springs, and Rasmussen, and you're like, these are some of the best pitchers in baseball, the way they work. Oh, they can, and they're going to add Tyler Glasnow and Shane Baz back to this rotation at some point. That's six of the best starters. Like this is the best rotation in baseball, in my opinion. Um, it, it, they're, they're super impressive.
1: Yeah, and and let's get into a couple of those arms, because obviously we've been really impressed with what they've had, and and McClanahan's kind of the guy that that gets them going, right? He's kind of the guy that kickstarts the whole thing. He broke out last year, had just a dominant year, quite frankly, in a dominant first Started the all-star game. Yep, exactly. He throws a billion miles per hour from the left side. Um, You know, he he started out this year, he's got 12 innings pitched with 12 strikeouts. He's 2-0, which doesn't matter, but you know, he's won two outings, they're 6-0, so it's not that hard to to go two and zero as a pitcher there, uh, but he's got a one point five ERA so far. You know what's been really impressive is he's got eighty two percentile chase rate and seventy third percentile whiff percentage, and he obviously he's blowing smoke out there as a starting pitcher, throwing just reliever gas uh, every time he gets on the mound. So uh, what's been so impressive for you about Shane McClanahan?
0: Yeah, I just think the development of, of McClanahan and how. It seems like never with this organization do you see guys have breakout years and take a step back. No. They continue to get better, and they continue to kind of understand their stuff. McClanahan was kind of the young guy who burst onto the scene last year, and he comes out this year, and he just looks like the polished ace. Um, he looks like a commodity that every team is searching for, a left-handed pitcher who can miss bats. Yeah. And he's going to do it at the front of the rotation, and he's going to take the ball, and he's going to strike out in a guy in inning inning. That's probably going to go up, honestly. Yeah. Considering the swings and misses he's getting. He's going to continue on working to put people away. Um, it, he, it's the jump he's made um, year over year where it was like, oh, we think we have something here. Okay, the next year he's going to break out and he's going to start the All-Star game. The shoulder thing kind of slowed him down in the second half. Another injury for the Rays, weird. Um, and then uh, then this year he comes out, and so far through two starts, it's like, oh, this, this guy might start the All-Star game again. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah. Um, and then for me, the, like, Springs, who – again is a guy that like oh we might have something here last year he gets better they you know he wasn't even supposed to be in the rotation throw him into the rotation because all the injuries last year and now they're like oh no this is a guy who we're going to throw up every fifth day next year no questions asked i think he's starting today or affluent starting today um and then so spring starts on sunday but um six no-hit innings with 12ks and the changeup has taken a step forward. That's what they they kind of saw last year, and they talked to him about um, over the spring. You can, he was working on over the spring, was developing that changeup a little more. He's really understanding how to use his fastball and then the changeup off of it. And if you watched any of that start against Detroit, he didn't miss with the changeup once. He did not miss. He was picking corners with the changeup, um, and it is it's a it's an elite pitch um and then he he has a good enough slider that he can if you start leaning on the outside part as a righty then you're going to get a slider in the dead zone and um he's extremely hard to hit Eflin, who when they ha- we talked about this in the preview the last episode when they signed Eflin, that when they gave him the three years 40 mil you knew they saw something well yeah through one start he had an elite chase rate he um has developed a new cutter and kind of gotten rid of the four-seam. He only threw uh, three four-seam fastballs, which he was trending in that direction in Philly. Um, In Philly, they had tried to scrap the sinker and only have him throw four-seamers, and then he switched back when Caleb Cotham got there, Um, thankfully and the sinker's always been his primary pitch, but now he's got the cutter, which I really like. I like the shape of it. It's, it's really good. Um, and he's just gotten better. Like, through one start, the changeup looks better. He's added six inches of movement on the changeup, which was his worst pitch in Philly. So, of course, he still has the curveball that's good. Um, it seems like he's also kind of scrapped the slider. Um, it's... They just know what they're doing. They signed yeah. this guy. They knew, it's, like, it's so clear. Like Zach Eflin is a perfect example of the Rays. Like this, if you want to know what we when we're talking about why we think they're so good, look at Eflin. He had this arsenal in Philly that he used. He comes over to Tampa, and you can already see through one star how they changed it.
1: It's not that easy, is it?
0: No, it's no, not. It's not. <laughs>
1: like it, like I know, and and time and time again, we sit here and like I remember, you know, us sitting here and having this conversation, like. Come on, Oakland. It's not that hard. Just Frankie Montas four seam it up in the zone, right. splitter off of it. Like, boom, bang. He's an ace, right? Yeah, sure. And and then he comes to New York, and and Matt Blake likes sinkers, and he has good sinkers, So they, you know, kind of throw that ad nauseum. When you know we sat here and thought that he shouldn't, and you'd think analytics analytics forward teams would be on top of that, but. You know, it's just like it's not that easy. I, I think that's it's one not. thing I want to emphasize: is is whether it be Jeffrey Springs. Jeffrey Springs was DFA'd. He was DFA'd. a reliever. He was pitching in the sixth inning, and you know, he has solid career numbers as a reliever. So, like, it's not like he's he's completely off the scrap heap. It's not like he's a he's a guy who you know doesn't deserve to be a big leaguer. He was definitely going to be a journeyman big leaguer, the, but, but that's the thing. But like that's, that is like, the difference between he was be a journeyman. Yeah, the diff- and the difference between a guy who goes out and first start and really. quite Quite frankly through spring punches out a billion dudes and and looks unhittable turning over the changeup they said something about he's throwing it harder which is probably getting more action which is something that um a lot of organizations <laughs> don't have to call anybody out in, in general um would just roll over in their grave over is oh throw a changeup harder what do you mean we need differential like speed differential between our fastball and our changeup like you got to be kidding me so um uh you know being able to grab a guy um and get him to throw his change up harder um has been something that that has helped them and and when you talk about Eflin, it's like like i said I, is it that easy no it's not that easy you know but we got to give credit where credit's due and the fact of the matter is is that they brought him in they had him make some adjustments and He's looking like a completely different starter. I I think I would love to know the nitty gritty on what Tampa Bay does. Maybe one day we'll be, we'll have the luxury of connecting with some people in that organization of like, I think there's a lot of things they do. I think they're psychologically, they understand how to get guys to be confident in their stuff. They tell guys, you're special, you're special, you're special. Sometimes we talk about this with the draft all the time. And I know I'm getting a little long winded here, but um, you know, we talk about how teams so many times think about stuff that guys need to improve on that's the age-old thing oh if this guy right. garrett mitchell we'll talk about the brewers in a little bit oh if garrett mitchell could ever right. hit the ball in the air well when you spend his first three years guy who was a first-round talent guy who was first-year tools guys who college-age Telling guy what he can yeah, over, over and over and over and again. <laughs> again you need to do this you need to do this you need to do this well that guy becomes less confident then we talk about pitchers and confidence Ugh. and basically telling them like every you organization
0: shouldn't. needs a ther- uh, therapy couch for the pitchers to lay down. Yeah, on the, exactly. On and like, basis.
1: not to mention that they're high maintenance on top of that. Let's talk about the fact that it's about confidence in your stuff.
0: I mean, it's lo- yeah, it's so lonely, right? When you talk about pitching, it's so lonely yeah. out there. Like you have to be able to, to be confident. And the thing that I think is so impressive too, and then we can move on here to talk about their offense a little bit. Um, the buy-in they get. They clearly get buy-in, right? They clear like, all of these guys buy in. And now, I know they now have a track record, so why wouldn't you buy in? But, like, Zach Eflin, it's not like they're all scrap heap guys. Like, I know we don't think of Zach Eflin as good, but that's the largest free agent contract they've ever handed out. If Zach Eflin walked in there and was like, No, I'm well, doing it my way. Why did you pay me the most money you've ever given to a free agent if you don't think I'm good enough? Yeah. Now, Zach Eflin, if you... Or I followed him like I have because he I was a fan of his when he was in Philly. Like Zach Eflin does not seem like the type of dude who would ever do that. Like he's a California guy who's like super laid back and like a, a really really good person. So I don't think he'd ever come off that way. But you would, you know what I mean? Like that never happens. You don't get that, right? Like yeah. Charlie Morton didn't get over there and be like, no. Yeah, I pitched in the big leagues for a while. Man. <laughs> yeah, like no, I'm too. good. Like no, Charlie, you know, resurrected his career between there and Houston. Um, yeah, I, I, like. chris archer got traded chris archer was never the same um there's someone else help me out who else am i thinking of that that's left and i just had him in my head
1: ryan yarborough
0: no well he's been recent but that was recent no it's well that, blake snell thank um, you thank you blake um, snell right like we have a blake snell's so a young how about this one people are gonna get mad at me this one because he was really hope high profile but he was never Cy young again david price true now he had the stuff and he was an elite pick and he was a top five round pick and everyone knew his name because of where he went to school but still like Price struggled a little bit in Detroit and Toronto and then obviously kind of age caught up with him in Boston but like he was never as good as he was in Tampa. Let's put it that the, way.
1: This is something I, yeah, definitely, and and Price obviously is a great example, but um, this is something I saw that that Ryan Yarborough was on foul territory podcast. Um, you know, no it, free ads. It, yeah, no free ads. Hit us up if you wanna if you want us to come on, and, and we'll advertise our own podcast on your podcast. But um, you know, he was talking about like they asked him, and like. I feel like players, wise, um, AJ is a co-host on that podcast, um, and uh, you know, I feel like players, wise, don't appreciate the Rays, right? And they asked Ryan Yarborough, like, hey you know, did you ever feel slighted that the Rays didn't think you could start? And he's like, yeah, you know, I've again, like any pitcher would say, I've always believed I could start. I, start didn't, I didn't pitcher. listen to the whole thing. I was at work. I didn't want to sit there and, and blast Ryan Yarbrough, you know, flipping his yapper about um, how he thinks he can start like every big leaguer thinks they should. Um, but I just always find it funny that these guys, whether there's like a little bit of animosity towards the Rays, like you saw it with Blake think, Snell. It's, it's like so different. Yeah, and, but it, my point is, is like how many times are we going to let these pitchers leave? How many times are we going to watch pitchers turn their career around? How many times are we going to see the Tampa Bay Rays put these guys in a position to be successful before players just start being like, I'm all well, – and, I think, and that, I think guys do. But like there is that little bit of like, yeah, I don't like Blake Snell. Like, yeah, I don't like how they well, handle it. But that's
0: because me. Blake – I think –
1: and those are the guys that aren't there anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, the guys, it's like, the we're
1: g- going to keep... And that's my Jeffrey point. Right, we're going to keep... Yeah, keeping, we're going to keep going. They have... you're here, Ryan Barber or Blake Snell. No, like, we're fine. And Blake Snell... You snow, go be on the other coast, we won't even pay no correct. minds to you. Correct. Like, whatever. And,
0: and Snell's a guy who... Which is good. He's confident. I'm not saying this to bat like in a bad way, but Snell thinks he's a Cy Young candidate. Yeah. Snell thinks he's a top of the line guy who put he would put himself up there with any other pitcher in the league. Yep, and that's fine. But the reality of looking at it is, Snell probably isn't in that category. The Rays had him pitch above his head, like they do with most of their guys, and that's okay. That's okay. But again, the Rays like they're going to keep the guys that are their system of yeah. guys. Let's talk uh, about their offense real quick. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and we'll bring up we got their offense here, and obviously they're light on name value um i think is the best way to say it and they obviously play in the trop so um not many people are tuning in we're not seeing many games going live there but you know yeah. we had this offseason discussion and i'm not going to give myself flowers or anything here <laughs> but it's just easy how we get caught up in like i always say like when vlad jr debuted i was down on him right why because again, that was the most anticipated
0: was, debut. The expectations exactly. were set at a ridiculous level. I was down on him too. The because second I couldn't stand the attention. Like it yeah, was like
1: one hundred. Let this kid breathe. Let this kid breathe. I know who his daddy is. Like that's fine. Like fine. Like one hundred percent. I watched him live. I saw him hit a ball in Wilkesbury that freaking still hasn't landed <laughs> down the line. And like, trust me, he's good. He's good. It's unreal, right? And and then he had a okay, first year. Like, fine. Yeah, that but half not, a year was a little bit tough
0: because yeah, everyone it, thought Vlad Sr. was walking up to the plate.
1: Exactly. And after his first year, I remember he struggled. People were down on him. People were questioning, you know, is he, can he play overweight, third? Overweight. Yeah. Overweight. Can he do this? Blah, 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 blah. At that point, I did a 360 yeah, not right. a 180 <laughs> and I'm I was leading the charge because again time and time again we forget development is not linear there's going to be ups there's going to be downs for a guy who's never faced adversity for a guy who's you know raked at every level we we got to give these guys time to adjust and that brings me big picture to Wander Franco Right, good rookie of the year, pushed rookie or good rookie year, pushed rookie of the year candidacy in a shorter season. Wait, I so mean, yeah, he, he only played he, how many games? Yeah, there? like like eighty like games, games and and was like up there. He had like twenty doubles in that short window. A lot like we saw with Adley Rutschman last year, where yeah. like his value yes. was premium. Like you could tell, and and people again, we're not going to see Wander Franco is not going to be the top fantasy asset. Oh, and Wander year.
0: Frank is also going to be a Tampa Bay Ray.
1: Yeah, he's going to be a Tampa Bay Ray. But he has a couple injuries last year. The power doesn't develop. He only has 13 on a on a career coming into this year. You're starting to question, hey, like, is he ever going to hit for thump? Is he going to be a guy who can impact the baseball? He had, like, four billion doubles, it felt like, for those th- through those two years. But, you know, you started to question it coming into last year, and, and it became – julio it became adley it right. became these young bucks that everybody's super excited about well remember how old wonder franco yeah. was he was born in 2001 so 22 i would say so i'm pretty sure two. there's
0: some names that are uh that that we talk about in that young guy category, we've already Whoa, passed. Corbin over Carroll's
1: older than Wander Franco, <laughs> if you <laughs> <laughs> wanted to know. It's uh, like insane, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, like you talked about, like people were questioning the power. Is it ever going to? He's OPSing two. I, we're, we've played six games. Yeah. He's got a two fifty two OPS plus. He's well, if he, played, doubles, if he played high covers. school
1: baseball in Delaware, his season would be halfway over. That's true,
0: but he's got he's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> With no preseason, it'd
0: <laughs> only be a third of the way over. But uh, he's got three doubles, two homers, and a two fifty two OPS plus. Yeah. Like this dude's gonna hit fifty doubles this year, and he's probably gonna steal bases. He plays premium shortstop. Like he's he's gonna he's gonna play uh, elite defense. And he's, I mean, he's the best player on their team already. Yeah. Sorry, Randy Arosarena, yeah, well, who's probably their second best player. We can talk about him in a second, but. Wander Franco, I think, is their best player. And
1: he should be. He like, was 22. He was, he was, yeah, he was an all-time, he was an he all-time, all-time prospect. prospect right? but 80-grade hit tool. Like, this is what he's he showing do. it, though. And when, yeah.
0: What's so impressive to me, if you guys can't tell, I've watched a lot of Rays to start my <laughs> year um, <what's> so impressive <laughs> to me is you just watch him at 22, 23 years old. His command of his at-bats, his strike zone discipline, his understanding, right, we've seen a lot of young hitters where um, – they may have good uh, under, a good understanding of the strike zone, but they're going to swing at strikes. At that When they get to the big leagues, they're just swinging at strikes. Yeah. Wander understands, it seems to me, especially right now, he's, he's locked in, like what pitches he can do damage with. And as an offensive player, like that's where I think separates some of the, the elite hitters and the best the, the best from <clears throat> guys who aren't at that level is like, yeah, that's a strike. I can get to that pitch. I've shown I can get to that pitch, but that's not that's not my damage zone. And it just yes. seems like right now Wander is in such a place where he can get to everything because of his bat-to-ball so good, Yes, but that doesn't mean you have to get to everything so, depending on the count and the pitch, right? And then as it gets later into at-bats, what is he doing? He's, okay, now you execute a good two-strike slider. I know I took that earlier, but I can get to this, and I'm yeah. going to shoot it the other way.
1: Well, here's what it is. It's Masters weekend. He's learning how to club up and club down. Right quite right. frankly that's that's it, well, that it just so with, much is
0: like the pitch selection in the zone what what
1: people yeah exactly and the pitches that he knows he can do damage with he knows he can handle and and some people again we we see this with the Astros I had this conversation yesterday about Jose Altuve and I was like and we saw he had a huge OPS hop last year when his batted ball profile went down right and what people forget myself included right not everybody has to be Jorge Soler type power. You don't
0: have to have. You don't have to be an exit velocity king
1: to hit home runs in the big leagues. No, you, have to, you have to know how to do it. You have to know when to do it. You know, have to know when to turn it on. You have to and know what when pitches to turn you it off do it and with. What pitches you do it with. And Wander Franco is growing into that guy. Yeah. So is he ever going to lead the league in home runs? He's going to be. By well, God, it would
0: be hard as a switch hitter. And I think to do Al, that. I think Altuve is probably the comp that we're looking at for him. Yeah, with would be my guess. Yeah, that, like agree. that type of offensive profile throughout yeah. his career, like <laughs> yeah, that's right. what you're going to see. Ton from of Wander doubles. Franco. He could
1: start to creep into the 25-30 home run range. Uh, just plays good defense. Three hundred hitter. Three hundred what. Wakes up a three hundred hitter. 300 no yeah, exactly. So here's another, a couple other guys. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Randy Rosarani. He's probably one of the most fun guys in baseball. But, you know, I definitely want to talk about Jose Siri, right? To be able to go to the Astros and basically say, like, yeah, let's take a flyer on this guy. We know Kevin Kiermaier's done for the year. Probably not bringing him back. He's he's old news at this point in Tampa Bay. Uh, let's go get a guy who we think is Kevin Kiermaier with much better tools. He plays just as good defense. He's a 100th percentile speed guy. He's a 100th percentile max exit velocity guy in that range he puts the ball in play hard he can play defense at a very minimum he can steal you some bases and you know he had peaks and valleys in the second half when he became a of bay ray he definitely had i picked him up in in the playoffs for fantasy and he had like a wicked hot weekend i wanted steals and he hit like three bombs and I was like, All right, well i'm not gonna complain yeah darn uh but uh you obviously if you can get 15 homers from this guy with the defense he plays and potentially 30 to 40 steals because he's going to play every day he's gonna be is this not the guy like
0: this you talk about is it that, that easy and we were just saying no for me this is that easy like yeah. why don't morgan's like what guy should you take a flyer on like now, will they be as successful? Will you be a successful they get in your organization? I don't know. But, like, oh, a guy who is an elite athlete, athlete, athlete with elite exit velocity, like, hits the ball hard, runs really well, plays great defense.
1: We talk about it in trades all the take time. Take a chance. Yeah, the, we, like, there's the guy you want to take a, a chance on. Because like, yeah. w-
0: w- what are the guys that, like, if they're going to get better, what's their ceiling, yeah. right? And what's their floor? so you, you have an elite we, defender who can run around, and if he ever figures out the strike zone and – Puts the bat on the ball more than he has. Like he's probably going to be a, a, at the worst a solid everyday center fielder.
1: Right, like uh, that's
0: that's that's the worst case scenario. If that guy cuts down on like figures out the strike zone and cuts down on swings and misses, he's a solid everyday player. At yeah, the worst.
1: actually, worst case scenario, he's a defensive replacement who can pinch run. More sure, but you know,
0: I'm, I'm talking as far as like every day, and then. What's the best case scenario?
1: He's a he's a top of the line caliber player in the middle of your lineup. Like,
0: there's a guy to take a chance on.
1: We talk, like I said, we talk about it with trades. Hey, right. Oakland, how many more four A guys do you need? Correct.
0: You have yeah. You, you have,
1: have a billion of a them, billion and you have 4A. organizations like Tampa Bay, like Atlanta, who are just like, yes, thank you, thank, thank you. We can finally get value out of Kyle Mueller. Right. Thank you very much right. because he's been. Taking up our rotation in AAA for the last three and a half years. Right, exactly. Again, that's nothing against Kyle Mueller. He's a big leaguer. Uh, he could have success very well, uh, but, you know, just call it what it is. Like, the Atlanta Braves are like, we don't know what to do with this dude because he's not a pitcher for a championship caliber team. Those guys like Jose Siri, those are the guys that you're like, man, like, these are the guys that, God, if we could ever have it to click, I mean, in Oakland's a good example because, like, Lawrence Butler, or right. uh, Colin talks about it all the time. Well, I, think- I saw him in 2019 and just, like, tooled up, loved his swing and he was hitting like a buck forty and low at But I think you keep taking
0: I think you keep taking swings on this. Yeah guy. you should.
1: That's my point. And then yeah, he, like, he fi- finally clicked for him and you're like, dude, this guy looks like Tory Hunter. Correct. Like he's athletic, he moves right. well, great swing, plays great defense, all of stuff like that. So, you know, as I mentioned, you wanted to talk about Randy Arroz Obviously he he is fun. It's not much to say other yeah, than, he's, like, he's, he's a stud. He's and, and is he as good as people probably make him out to be? Like, one of the things that I like to say about Rosa Rosarena is, like, he's really good God, championship DNA guy. Oh, like, stop he's, that. he's really good when it matters. But there is some truth to that. Like, like yeah, he, he hasn't has been, been. He
0: wasn't healthy that last year.
1: No, but my point is he had a really good year last season. But my point is, is, like, he's really good when it matters and that's why his name value is what it is he's been good in the wbc he's been good in the playoffs he came up right away and was like a freaking rocket ship and like the longer you see like if you watch randy or Rosa Raina every day you wouldn't be as impressed if you watch just the press clipping
0: real quick randy Rosarina again six games everyone so this is gonna change with six games Average exit velocity, ninety third percentile. Max exit velocity, ninety eighth percentile. Hard hit percentage, ninety third percentile. Weighted on base, ninety six percentile. Expected batting average, ninetieth percentile. Expected slug, ninety sixth. Barrel percentage, eighty nine percentile. K percentage, seventy second percentile. Yeah, well, that's what he, that like. But that that's that's who he is. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that. That's what makes people so excited. And he can
1: run. He steals. 25 bags. He's probably gonna push 30 sure, this year. Sure, and even even and that like, steal, it's like tw- he's gonna hit 25 homers. Correct. And like I said, over the course of the season, is he as good as he's been for the first six games? No, nobody is. But you know what makes Randy so special is like you know like I said like who are the think of a guy like Bregman, right? Like where you blink in the middle of the year and you're like, wow, he's hitting 280 with 26. Like what happened? How did that happen? Where did that come from? Well, yeah, Randy's like the opposite. Season. Yeah, like you you see him at the beginning of the year, you're like, this guy's electric then you get into the the spin dog cycle days. of the season yeah the dog days and you're like and you blink and he's hitting 250 with 22 which <laughs> is fine and then he like lights it up in the playoffs and you're like this guy's electric so you know if you see the big picture he's not as good as you know people want to make him out to be which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but you know I think just big picture wise like people get caught up in it because he had a great playoffs he had a great World Baseball Classic he had a great debut you know he lights the world on fire and people get so excited about the the flashes Was that he, he that year? Um, no, I don't think so. But I remember he was like the number three prospect in baseball after being unranked because he the, still held rookie, yeah. yeah, he still held rook, rookie eligibility. Well, even when he made his debut with the Rays, he wasn't a top one hundred guy. Right. And I remember Harold Reynolds fighting tooth and nail on the MLB.com p- top one hundred drop and like saying that he's the best prospect in baseball. For the reasoning was that because we've seen him do it at the big league level, and we're talking about that being ahead of, of Wander Franco. I think at that yes. point was the number one guy and and like a lot of prospect people were like, Harold, you don't know what you're talking about, but Harold made a good point of like, there's a difference between doing it at the big Correct. league level and doing it in the minor leagues. And I'm one hundred percent, but does that make a guy number one? No. And another guy, um, a guy who could probably break Dan and I's neck just by squeezing us between his bicep and his forearm, right on that elbow joint, is Yanni Diaz. Oh my love. Yandy. Shredded. Yandy Diaz. Um, we love Yanni Diaz. Is is he finally putting the ball in the air? Um we'll he find doesn't out. need to put it in the air he doesn't need either. To. Just no, like no. a little bit more. And, yeah, he'll, I mean, and he'll his, hit his batted numbers. ball profile is like yeah. legitimately like John. Carlos Stanton level, like average exit velocity, max exit velocity, like he crushes balls. He can go oppo tank. Um, he's really good. So, um, getting those balls in the air. I mean, his expected stats last year were great, and not even just power wise. It was just like his expected batting average was like ninety third percentile. Like it was, it was in the red. His average exit velocity was high. His max exit velocity was high. Barrel percentage was low. It's because he doesn't put balls in the air. But you know, at the very least, he's shown the capabilities, at least from a batted ball profile, to hit three hundred with twenty five. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities for him if he changes nothing. If he changes nothing as a hitter, he just plays every day and he continues to hit the ball the way he is. He's one of the most undervalued players in the league elite this year. And let's talk about another guy who has not hit the ball in the air in the past. Uh, we've mentioned him on this podcast already. We talked about him off air with good friend of the pod, Carlos Collazo. Uh Garrett Mitchell, um, super exciting. I actually wrote an article that's in the, the archives at this point. I, it never got published. It never saw the light of day. <laughs> Don't know what happened there. Don't know if it got lost in the DMs. Don't know if the email never sent. thought it was a really solid article, but it was basically written about Garrett Mitchell on his draft year. And, you know, I had theorized just some ways to improve – Power, um, And at the time, we had, we had heard Christian Yelich talking about how he had improved power, which ironically, Garrett Mitchell and Christian Yelich are probably in the same BP group in the, on the probably. day-to-day. Um, and who are we seeing hit for more power? Garrett, Garrett Mitchell. Mitchell. And one of the things that I had watched with this swing was like, hey, is there any significant change? Is there any significant adjustment? No. You want to know what the adjustment was? Contact point. You want to know what Christian Yelich changed? How do you pull the ball in the air to the poolside? Hit it further out in front. Don't change anything. You're an elite bat to ball. Yep. You're an elite bat to ball guy. You just continue to keep the same swing path. You're in the hitting zone for a long time and just catch it out in front. Just almost catch it uncomfortably out in front. And you start to ba- you change nothing. You just start to backspin those balls to the poolside. Well, Garrett Mitchell. Is now catching balls further out in front. Is that correlation, causation? I don't know. He could very well end the season with three home runs <laughs> for all we know. Because, we, I mean, in the minor leagues. It's fun he, to talk he has about, never, though. Yeah, he's <laughs> never hit more than 10. So could he very well end the season at the same thing? But, you know, I, I want to go kind of scrape up that, that article that I had written and see exactly what I had put. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see if this power kind of sticks. But, you know, what are your initial thoughts on Garrett Mitchell?
0: Well, I just think it's the whole – the whole. I mean, obviously he's, he's a guy that for years everyone said, can he add power? He hasn't quite shown it. But I don't th- – like, I think he was going to be a valuable big leader to them anyway. 100%. Um, now this puts him in the conversation as, like, one of their most valuable position players. He's not going to homer at this rate. He's three homers in six games. He's not going to do it. Um, but, I mean, to see this, you have to be excited. And just, like, so far, the, the start that the Brewers are off to, you just point right back to their, their young guys, right? Because it's not – it's not just him. You know, it's Bryce Tarank who, who goes Grand Slam on, on Tuesday or whatever day it was, Monday. Um, are we going with Weimer or Weimer? Weimer. Weimer. Is that is that uh, – are we sure on that? Yes. I'm just curious. Okay. So, you know, Joey Weimer. We said Weimer, right? So we just Weimer. Weimer. Joey Weimer. Obviously, well, was like <laughs> – to me, I don't want to – to me, it looks like Weimer. Anyway, um. like just all those guys, right, all those young guys, that's what this – that's what we've been begging for from Milwaukee, right? We like we like we need you guys to to have some homegrown hitters come through and and you know do something, anything, please. Like you stand there poking them with a stick and like look at this through the first couple of games, like those guys have been they've electrified that that offense. It changes the dynamic of that team, right? He takes pressure off Yelich. It takes pressure off Adamus who's off to an ice cold start, right? And Yelich is off to another cold start. Um, and then Brian Anderson's a sneaky pickup. Like, good job by you. You were kind of all over him. I didn't foresee the young guys. And again, it's a long. We have a long way to long go. Long way to go. Um, but if you said that the Brewers are going to be what, five and two now, I believe. Yes. If you're if you five and one, Or five and one, and their one loss and their second worst start came from Corbin Burns. You'd be sh- <laughs> what? Um, But, you know, Woodruff and fastball Freddie Peralta have been outstanding, and I'm sure Burns will figure it out at some point. But, like, I'm kind of more – through the first six games, I've kind of changed my tune a little bit on the Brewers.
1: Yeah, I think um, at the end of the day that I was high on them. And it's funny because I wasn't high on them because I expected Bryce Tarang, Garrett Mitchell, and Joey Weimer to be leading the charge. Of that, which is awesome because those guys are absolutely told up uh, beyond belief for, you know, Garrett Mitchell's funny. I know Carlos sent out a tweet that said we've underrated him if he starts to add power because he's an elite defender. He's going to be an elite speed guy. He has elite bat to ball. He's going to hit for average. And then, oh, just sprinkle in some Christian Yelich level power. And boom, we saw that we saw the magic Dixie pixie dust that we sprinkled in (laughs) Christian Yelich's power when he finished up that career in Miami and transitioned into Milwaukee. And it was like, whoa. Garrett Mitchell's a – like, that is his comp. That is 100% his comp. If he can make a Christian Yelich like adjustment, he's going to be Christian Yellich but plays center field with elite defense. Like, that is what he is. Right. Like, we're talking about a top-of-the-line talent, and we've underrated him. Quite frankly, if he can show 25 to 30 home run power, he's a top-10 prospect in baseball. No questions asked. Asked, yeah. Like, so, Corbin Carroll, but better, like, quite frankly, because Corbin Carroll hasn't shown – 30 home run power yet. Right,
0: he's like, we're... Bryce, right. he yeah, exactly. Like Mitchell was, right?
1: Exactly. They are similar players, except Corbin Carroll's shown more of a track record of hitting for power. Bryce Terang he was the number one guy going into his draft year, high school guy. Yep. Falls because he can't hit for power. Gets in a pro ball, can't hit for power. Tell me if you've heard this before. Shows up to the big... Why teams. aren't all these guys in the Marlins organization... Well, they would still be hitting grounders <laughs> yeah, to the opposite. Yeah, but in the big yeah. leagues. <laughs> um, but Bryce Terrain's a guy who he's going to play second base. He's going to kind of instill some athleticism in that lineup. He's going to be a stud. And then you have uh, Joey Weimer, who's physically the different guy. He's the told-up guy. He's the guy who looks. He's alike. huge. I mean, his legs are massive. He's huge. He looks good in a baseball uniform, and you know, so you have this influx of athleticism. You have this influx of talent.
0: Right. And now I'm like. The I really number, like the, the number Brewers. one guy isn't even there yet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if he's gonna kick it. Not this year, year, I don't think. No. But still, like that's on the way. I don't know if the sustainability is there well, still with this roster. Um, we have Sal Frelick too. You do have Sal Frelick, who's probably closer. sure. way closer? He's next up on right. that list. But my yeah. thing is, I don't because of the young guys. You see it so many times. Like, just because we're saying this about their young guys and we're high on them, we're not gonna sour on them when they struggle and there's gonna be struggles.
1: Yeah, there's gonna be, there's it's going adju- to be the name a ton of the game struggles
0: for these guys. Is adjust, readjust. Correct. And like that's the hardest part for young guys is, right? The adjust the adjustability isn't quite there yet. It takes that's one of the you know the, the last things to show in the the big league levels the adjustability, but so I don't know how sustainable this hot of a start is, again, but like I'm definitely more excited about this roster than I was six weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Definitely, definitely, and, um, you know, again, like you said, when you combine the fact that the reason they're not the best of what they are is because Corbin Burns has had two eggs. That's insane. I, I know a lot of people are down on Corbin Burns. I'd love to find out and talk to somebody who is down yeah, on Corbin Burns. Um, why? Why can't um, because we? If there's trust a, he's
0: going to get it together.
1: No, just before mm. the season they were down on him again. I don't know what the underlying – thought was for that. The British um, Front Office I guess was. Um dang. Um, well, I, mean, <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. But uh, I would love to find that out. Training. Yeah, I mean, I would love to find out what, what the reasoning is. This stuff is good. Like, I, I checked on Baseball Savant. What, what's the difference, right? I think the command Stuff-wise, everything is right. boop, boop, a couple, you know, here and there. Like, I mean, he had a cold outing. Cutter's not going to cut when it's cold. You, you need grip. You need good, you know, firm grip there. You probably need some sweat and some rosin. He probably had some dry hands. Some SPF
0: 50 um, and yeah, rosin. Yeah,
1: sunscreen and rosin. You're not breaking that out in a windy Chicago day on opening day i mean you probably are actually but yeah, sure. um you know the cutter was down a little bit on average but it's the command you saw he backed up a slider to pete yeah backed up a cutter to pete two home runs there which uh, like a backed uh, up cutter
0: to pete alonzo or backed yeah. up cutter to pete alonzo and like that part of the plate too is like there's only one outcome.
1: I worry because the swings and misses that's are what's weird. wolf
0: right now. That's like what's bad.
1: weird. Um, he's got like six on the year, I think. Uh, um, so, like, and the, we're talking about like a guy who
0: obviously it generates a ton yeah. of swing and miss. And in the zone, like, that's what's yeah. made, to me, Corbin yeah. Burns the ace. Yeah. It's like he's never had elite chase rate mm-hmm. because he's thrown so many strikes and mm-hmm. he gets swings and misses in the zone. And it's just like. Yeah. If that's not going to come this year, then that's where the concern lies. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I'm not ready to – and I know you're not either, obviously. I'm just saying I'm not ready to, like – Write it off.
1: I never abandon. I never. I'm never gonna abandon ship on a guy. Like I always say. I'm not I'm gonna, gonna, especially I'm gonna, him. Yeah, I'm gonna die on the hill of yep. like waiting. Like yep, I, I, I'm right. <laughs> I'm. I'm I, I would be three. We could years, be
0: 27 starts in, and I'll still. Uh,
1: be we could be freaking three years from now, and he could have been DFA'd twice, and I'd be like, "Well, the stuff's still there. Uh, <laughs> let's give him a shot. Like somebody's gonna figure him out. And then when they peak, I can sit here on a recorded platform and laud that I was a genius. But Woodruff and Freddie Peralta have looked clean, uh, looked really good. Wade Miley has looked sharp uh, through his first couple starts. Who they're going to need because Aaron Ashby is going to miss some time. He's obviously was our breakout candidate of the Shame. year. Uh, egg, we should know better than to pick a pitcher for your breakout candidate of the year. That was just stupid. True, on our yeah. Part. Um, why we would think that was is there a, a backside? Can we
0: say this is one? Or is there a backside ground ball breakout candidate curse? Uh,
1: well, I-, I hope not. Um, because our backside ground balls curse in. Or our curse that was rumored on the can message boards. I, can I uh, can
0: I name a new one? Can I replace her yeah. Justin Verlander. <laughs> yeah,
1: backside <laughs> breakout candidate <laughs> yeah. of the year, Justin Verlander.
0: How's uh, he done in his first couple? Of- uh, he hasn't pitched. Ah.
1: Max Scherzer, he's improved too. But we're not going to talk about the Mets today, uh, and we're going to conclude this podcast. Uh, obviously, is super excited. Second time in the past couple weeks recording in person. The podcast has been, you know, just awesome. Uh, We've been growing exponentially recently, obviously, with baseball season going. So, you know, credit to each and every one of you that are sharing with five friends. Uh, Super excited for the content that we're bringing. We're super excited to be here in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, You know, we're going to watch a a great baseball game today. Hopefully the rain holds off. We saw a great baseball game last night. We got to see uh, Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz, which we're going to recap after the game today. So stay tuned for that. That'll be dropping on Monday but um, you know we've got big news coming with some more partnerships. Uh, so that's obviously a huge piece of the growth of this podcast is ensuring that we do continue to. Uh, get partnerships and, and grow in exponentially and uh, quite frankly, in, in that department. So make sure you're liking, make sure you're sharing, make sure you're su- subscribing to the podcast. Uh, make sure you're using SeatGeek promo code backside ground ball. Again, SeatGeek, promo code backside ground ball $20 off your first purchase uh, so head out maybe we'll go see an NHL playoff game I know for our our uh, local brethren of the mid-atlantic the flyers are not sniffing the playoffs right now sorry low blow um, but we do got some islanders and rangers fans out there and devils fans quite frankly go so, canes yeah we are a canes fan maybe we'll use our sea geek promo code to get to a canes PNC, playoff game yeah. uh, you know the place is rocking so Um, But, you know,
0: until next time, we'll see you guys on the next podcast. Cheaters never win.